Sox fans, welcome to Good Guys Talk Back, a fan-centric Chicago White Sox podcast for the love of the Sox. Hosted by Nick Borowski and Pat Hester. Hey Sox fans, welcome to Good Guys Talk Back, episode 131. I am Nick Morowski and this is a local fan-centric Chicago White Sox podcast. You can find this podcast everywhere you find your podcast, subscribe, uh, pass it along to other Sox fans. Uh, we do appreciate that. We're on Twitter at GoodGuysTV. We've got a Facebook fan page, and you can always find us on the ShyCitySports.com site, where they also have, for purchase, some very comfortable and affordable Good Guys Talk Back t-shirts. Uh, we got a lot to get to uh, on this episode. In just a moment, we're going to bring in from White Sox Daily, Patrick Flowers, to help us make sense of everything that's been happening in the last 12 to 24 hours with this team and beyond. Uh, but first, uh, Pat Hester, my co-host, uh, Sox are playing right now in game two of this Pittsburgh series. They took yesterday's game uh, sitting at 77 and 56. That lovely magic number is 22. Uh, so here we go, man. We're in September. It's down the stretch. So, yeah, so this is going to be a great episode. So Nick is going to go into a 10-second delay and do play-by-play of the game going on right now for people to listen to this episode tomorrow. Yeah. It's going to be a fantastic show. I can't wait for this to unfold. Well, you know, if, if they play well, you'll, you'll listen to this podcast. You'll probably be watching the game. You can go back and relive the game while we were reliving it in the podcast. It all makes uh, perfect sense. Um, so, uh, Mr. Hester, we're going to bring in our guest from White Sox Daily, uh, Patrick Flowers. Thank you so much for joining us. No problem, guys. My pleasure. Um Patrick, you uh, contribute uh, for White Sox Daily. Can you just, uh, you know, tell our viewers, our listeners, um, you know, about White Sox Daily, uh, where to find all the good stuff that you're putting out there? Yeah, White Sox Daily is um, a newsletter on Substack and a live show. Uh, you can find the written content at uh, www.whitesoxdaily.com. And of course, uh, the main attraction is uh, Ian Eskridge and Danny Miller. They're live show every monday night on twitch and then uh, i think that's just twitch.com backslash white Sox daily uh it's awesome stuff uh our we had the pleasure of talking to ian our listeners remember that uh super knowledgeable stuff had xavier sanchez on talking white Sox with us so it's a pleasure having you on um you know lately uh, last last few hours uh, we've had some information on september call-ups uh, some injuries um i just want to get your thoughts right away on uh, Romy uh, Gonzalez coming up to the team, uh, bringing sheets back up. Uh, thoughts on some of these September call-ups the Sox made? Well, Sheets is basically a straight swap for Lamb, and Sheets provides a whole lot more upside than Jake Lamb does. Um, and But Romy Gonzalez I'm pretty excited about. Uh, I'm not sure how much playing time he's going to get because Leori Garcia is the you know go-to backup infielder. Um, but Gonzalez killed it in – stints at uh double a and triple a this year and um well i guess we'll see he was an 18th round pick two years ago or three years ago now 2018 so you know this is a guy who wasn't even on the radar to make it to the major leagues until just a handful of months ago yeah yeah i saw today i think it was uh somebody put on twitter he's the the first 2020 guy since aaron rowan uh did it with the barons uh, way back in the day so 2000 really cool to see uh see him with the club i want to i want to talk a little bit about this pitching staff obviously we've got some 
you know, hurdles to overcome with Lynn going uh, on the on the 10 day and now G Lito going to miss a start. But I want to focus a little bit on Ethan Katz, the pitching coach. Obviously, uh, a lot of praise coming into this season. Uh, I've seen a lot of good, you know, what we've seen out of Cease and his growth and his maturation and his, uh, you know, uh, you know, climb. Uh, I've seen some, you know, bad out of Bummer and his inconsistencies and some other guys out of the pen. So uh, in the spirit of back to school, Patrick, what grade would you give an Ethan Katz right now in his, on his performance? Um, I would give Ethan Katz a B-plus right now. Um, the starting rotation was a question mark at the beginning of the season, right? I mean, we looked at the offense completely healthy before the Eloy and Luis Robert injuries, and we thought the offense can stack up with anybody in baseball. And the bullpen on paper was supposed to be one of the best bullpens in baseball. Obviously, that didn't turn out that way. They've been very inconsistent, and the starting rotation has been you know, elite. And, uh, and a lot of that has to do with, with uh, Cats. I mean – Carlos Rodon alone, if he didn't have that IL stint, was a Cy Young candidate, even if if not a favorite. And this is a guy who was non-tendered last winter, and we heard this spring that Katz immediately identified uh, mechanical issues with him that they went over. And of course, that's like hearing in spring training that you know somebody's in the best shape of their life, right? We always hear that somebody found a secret switch for somebody who's never really reached their potential, but. Sure as can be, Carlos Rodon is looks like the Carlos Rodon that they drafted uh, third overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, just absolutely unbelievable. Uh, before we started recording, I'm watching the game, and Rodon's on the hill, of course, uh, tonight in game two, and he struck out a guy, and they flashed a graphic that he's averaging 12 and a half strikeouts per nine inning, which is like the best in White Sox history. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that, you know, they kind of said, sorry, you know, we don't really, you know, we, we don't think we need your services in, in de- December. Um, and now potentially he could be your game would starter in an ALDS. Uh, curiosity, uh, Patrick, do you have a, a list in your mind of who you would like to position, you know, in the playoffs? Who's your game one guy? And follow up, where do you see uh, Dallas Keuchel fitting in? <laughs> well, Dallas Keuchel said it himself best after the, the Cub, after the Cubs series that he might not even be in the playoff rotation. Uh, I think that's put it nicely. He might not even be on the playoff <laughs> roster at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and before I get into where I would slot guys in the postseason rotation, I would just want to go, if we're giving Ethan Katz credit for fixing guys in the starting rotation, we can't forget about the work he's done with Dylan Cease. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dylan Cease yeah. has always had probably the best pure stuff out of all of those guys in the rotation. He just hasn't been able to find it. And this year, I mean, he's now, he's a playoff starter now. You know, he's taken Dallas Keuchel's role as the fourth starter in the postseason. For hands down, we got a month yeah. left. That's not going to change unless yeah. Cease gets hurt. Well, don't don't say anything like that. No, I mean, well, Mike, you know, I mean with the wood. season we've had, I don't Jeez, think I could possibly yeah, jinx yeah, any yeah, more yeah, injuries. I mean, I think there's like snipers in in the in the uh, the clubhouse or something. Let's talk about that though, in terms of uh, the injuries that we've sustained. Uh, you know, I'd be interested in what you think. What is more impressive to you on this team? The team's resiliency. Or all the talent that's on it, because all this talent coming back, it's it kind of hits you in the face with how good they are. And I'd just like to know what do you think is is uh, more impressive to you, and why? I think it's a combination of both. I mean, obviously, if the team didn't have the surplus of talent that it did, it would have never been able to withstand 
injuries to key players like that for such a massive amount of time. But I think even with the amount of talent and depth that they had, it still took a lot of resilience. And, you know, say what you will about Tony La Russa, are we sitting here today having the same conversation if we have another manager leading all those, mm. you know, all your Brian Goodwins, your Jake Lambs, you know, um, your Yermeans, all the guys that, that played pivotal roles at one point or another during the season to keep that team afloat through all of that? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah that was going to be a question I was going to kind of allude to. It's, you know, giving Cats a grade, you know, how about La Russa? But, you know, it's it's pretty obvious that he is in that AL Manager of the Year uh, conversation, if not leading that conversation. Um, uh, Want to talk uh, pitching a little bit more, specifically bullpen. We mentioned, uh, you know, a little bit of Hendricks, but uh, we saw Kimbrell uh, in game one of the Pirates uh, series just yesterday. He came in for his traditional, well, now his traditional with the Sox, eighth inning role, clean inning, thanks to an amazing uh, Robert grab in center field, Hendricks. A nice uh, ninth inning with a wonderful double play to end the game. Um, do you see that being the the roles that they're going to play? Do you see potentially Larusa maybe flipping Kimbrel and Hendricks depending on the type of situation? Do you think? I mean that that really Kim, Kimbrel can't pitch in the eighth, and it's a psychological thing. How do you see uh, that like seven, eight, nine inning playing out throughout the season? I don't put much if any stock into the whole psychological narrative that we see going around um i mean listen this guy's gonna be in the hall of fame craig kimbrell he's gonna be a hall of famer Mm -hmm. i mean he can pitch in any inning there's to say that he can't his struggles in the eighth inning have are just solely because it's the eighth inning i can't agree with that um i i will say that it's more likely a product of coming to a new team after the trade deadline and having to reacclimate in the middle of a, you know, a race for a division title. I mean, he was playing for the Cubs and for, let's see, what was that about a solid month and a half, they were fading out of contention and yeah, he was on almost unhittable, but what was he really pitching for? How much pressure was there for him in those mm-hmm. ninth inning situations yeah. he was in? Yeah. As, as far as how Tony's going to use him. I think if we look back to the Toronto series um, after he extended Hendricks for that five out save, uh, he was going to use Kimbrell as the closer for the next two nights had the save opportunity been there. It wasn't. So we didn't get to see it. Then both of them rested and he flipped it back. But I just think it's going to be a matter of who's ready, who's rested, who's not. Um, You know, he likes to play in Hendricks in long save situations. So I think if, if when we get into the postseason and you really start to shorten your bullpen usage, right? Because we're not going to see uh, your Jose Ruiz's. You're not going to see uh, Wrights. You, it's going to be Kopech. It's going to be Hendricks, Kimbrel. You know, maybe Bummer from time to time. As much as that scares Tepera. me to say Tapera, possibly, yeah. and and to, well, Tapera for sure. That was an yeah. oversight. But those are going to be your guys. That's four guys. Mm-hmm all the time. And so when you get into the situation where you want to close it down in the eighth inning, he's going to go to Hendricks. If you have a traditional three out clean ninth inning opportunity, then Kimbrell's probably the guy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So Patrick, one of the things I've enjoyed watching over the last two years, let's, let's be honest, is the the culture on this team, uh, how much the guys seem to enjoy being around each other and playing for each other. So my question to you is, do you, 
accredit the good vibes on this team that they've had to more the players or the coaching staff? Because we've seen how culture and, and, and when it's bad, you can see it in the Mets and what's happened to them in that right. situation. You've even seen on the north side what's happened with the management and the players against the management type of mentality and the culture can become cancerous. So so what do you attribute to more of the players or, or more uh, of the coaching staff? I got to give the credit to the players there because, I, you know, one of the, the major narratives uh, after the La Russa hiring and before spring training was that, you know, he was going to wreck the clubhouse culture, right? I mean, he was, he wasn't going to get along with these 20 something year old kids who like to bat flip and yell after strikeouts and celebrate on the Bates paths. And, um, you know, it's been unaffected. They they've done the same exact things. He's, you know, with the exception of the completely overblown, your mean Mercedes incident, he Thank has, yes. he has let them be them. So, you know, this is their culture. They created this culture, but Tony deserves credit for allowing it. You know, he stuck to his word. He said that he was going to, he wasn't going to, you know, reverse any of the progress they made when in his introductory press conference in October, Mm -hmm. uh, when he took, when he took heat from that directly from the media. So he stuck to his word and they've continued to be them. So. Yeah. Uh, a guy um, that we're, you know, referring to uh, that just vocal leader, uh, just become such a leader over the last few years. You know, his play is obviously uh, there, uh, Tim Anderson. Um, you know, really, as Joe Buck mentioned, and, you know, the Field of Dreams game uh, should be the face of Major League Baseball. He, you know, it seems like he's dealing with something more than we know. Uh, he's now on the 10-day DL with, with a hamstring issue. Uh, maybe if it was crunch time, he'd be playing. Uh, how much stock do you put in? as a fan, somebody that follows this team closely of, well, it's not a big deal. Let him get rest. Or is there concern that, you know, maybe the momentum, maybe his timing will be off as we get uh, into late September and into the October playoff time. I'm not really concerned about it. I kind of took my own temperature this morning. You know, I, I was thinking about it and I just, I had a sense of calmness. I haven't gotten worked up about it at all. Um, if it is what it's advertised as, right? Mm-hmm. We, you know, who knows what they say for a week from now. If it is what it's as advertised, if it's leg soreness and if he's getting better, because LaRusso said today that he's getting better, you know, so he's making forward progress. If that's all it is, fine. I'm not worried about him getting his timing back. Tim Anderson's a pure hitter. He's proven that over the last three seasons. It'll t- it'll take a couple at bats, if if not less, for him to get his timing back. Yeah. So, and I agree with you, Patrick, because I would be more concerned if it was an injury that he had to be helped off the field or he let, I think he got pulled from a game early, but it wasn't like he had to be taken off and he couldn't put pressure on his leg or something. It was, it was talked about in rest and he came back and, and played a few games. So I'm not as concerned. I want to focus on another guy with another leg injury and, and, and that's Adam Engel. Where is he at with his rehab? Has he started that yet? I feel like we haven't heard a lot about it. I heard some, a blip like, He'll be starting rehab soon. Do we know where he's this weekend? At? This yeah, weekend, okay. he'll be going on a rehab assignment. So, what weekend. is what's the timing on that? Do you know, like, uh, like in terms of how long do you foresee that being? You know, with Angle, it's tough. I mean, this guy, unfortunately for him, has just been plagued with leg injuries his whole career, and especially this year. I mean, this was supposed to be a big year for him. And it's just leg injury after leg injury after leg injury. And he's not the only one. There's been a, we've seen it, how much it's documented the abundance of 
of lower body injuries and soft tissue injuries that we've had this year on our roster and otherwise. But so I, I don't know, man. I, yeah. I can't, I can't put my thumb on what when Angle will be back, if he'll be back, because he could have a setback during his rehab assignment. I mean, we saw the first time he came off the came off the DL. It was very shortly thereafter he was gone again. So I wish him the best, and but I. I I couldn't put a time frame. Yeah, yeah it, it is a shame. I mean, when he is cooking and when he has been getting that that bat going, which has been different over the years past, it is awesome to, to plug him into the outfield right now. Um, uh, in terms of just watching games, consuming games, whether it's in person, on TV, um, who's, a, who's a guy or guys that you have really just enjoyed watching their progression this year? It's a joy to watch their maturation. Um, you know, aside from a guy like Rodan, uh, but somebody else that maybe has really caught your attention that you've been kind of locked in with and in, into Dylan Cease, mm-hmm. far and above. I mean, he's like you said, the stuff has always been there. It's been a pretty frustrating what, two and a half years now um, since he made his debut. And this season, you know, I remember last season, leading last year, about this time leading up to the postseason, I wrote, uh, I dove into his numbers and, you know, the peripherals hated him despite some of the counting stats being pretty good. And I said that, you know, I called it Dylan Cease's um, uh, fun house. You know, remember at the carnival, you know, you go yeah. into the, the fun house with the mirrors yeah. and everything and the optical illusions. And that's essentially what Dylan Cease's 2020 campaign was, was an optical illusion that held true when he was passed up for a start in the postseason. Um, and early on in this year, I really felt like we were seeing more of that. And then gradually as the season went on and he got more comfortable, and this is the key for Dylan Cease is him being comfortable with his stuff. We know he has great stuff. I think the problem is Dylan Cease wasn't quite sure that he had great stuff. Mm-hmm. And once he, once that light bulb went on, went on in his head, I mean, he's been, he's been lights out, really yeah. lights out. Yeah. So Patrick, we know who you like to watch. Who would you say is going to be this team's MVP when it's all said and done? Uh, see, that's a tough one because, you know, you can you can immediately point to Jose Abreu, who's the elder statesman, and, uh, you know, he's the dad, right, of the team he calls. The, I think just today, the uh, Luis Robert and Ilo Jimenez were creeping on an interview in the dugout, and he said, those are my kids over there being annoying. <laughs> um, but it's got to be Tim Anderson, right? I mean, yeah. he's the straw that serves a drink. Mm-hmm. We've heard that time and time again, but it couldn't be more true. As Tim Anderson goes, the White Sox go. For me, period. Mm-hmm. I think if you if you had to rank the most important players on the roster for a successful postseason run, however deep that may be, year in year one of their real contention window, it's it's Tim Anderson number one and everybody else behind him. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, a, a guy that uh, uh, both Pat and myself and so many others uh, thought w- was definitely going to have an MVP type year. A, a guy like Yoan Mankata who. Boy, you, you say his name among Sox fans and you get a variety of different reactions from people. Uh, folks expect more. Folks think, you know, he's he's good right where he's at. You know, I was sitting behind uh, some fans uh, not too long ago. And I think it's you know, it an age thing. You know, some some guys just, ah, you should go back down to AAA or I think he's still sick from last year. Where, where do you stand on Yohan Mankata? Um, are you happy with what you've seen so far? We know that there's more in the tank, but I guess generally, what are your thoughts on him right now? I mean, I, I sure wish he could 
hit for more power right now, right? We'd all like the slugging percentage to be a little bit higher. But if you get off of that argument, you know, his the average is where he wanted to be. He's on base. He plays a great third base. Really great. I mean, he makes an impact over there with his glove. Um, it's just, I, I'm not disappointed in his season. Mm-hmm. Would I be happy if he, we saw a little more pop? Sure. But he's not hurting the team in any way whatsoever. And that's, that's where I think the narrative gets, gets gray and people start to lose sight of the other things beyond, you know, the, the power numbers. He's not hurting this team at all. He's helping it. He's, he's, he's a positive war player, right? I mean, last time I checked, what is he a three win player right now? Mm -hmm. Uh, Just off the top of my head. So, you know, it is what it is. Not everybody can be a five to seven war player. Yeah. Yeah. Pat, Patrick or Pat, I don't know what you like. I don't mind. People call me whatever. So <laughs> yeah, I, I don't mean thing. to. I don't mean, I should have asked you. Uh, it is September, September 1st. Uh, we're in, in crunch time and we'll be, you know, this is kind of our appetizer as we get into uh, playoffs. My question to you, my last one for you is, you know, we, we saw what happened last year when Ricky managed in the playoffs. And it seemed like it was drastically different than anything we saw throughout the year. And I get it. It's playoffs. You have to manage a little bit differently. What do you see from Tony as he manages uh, this playoff run? Will it be drastically different from what we've seen all year? Or has he kind of prepared us for what we're going to see during no, the playoff run? I think that Tony LaRusso manages April 1st, like October 1st. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to see him manage pretty much the same way. Um, you know, with the exception of this month where he's going to be a lot more lenient with guys schedule wise and rest wise. Mm-hmm. I think that, Tony LaRusso manages like he's managing game seven of the world series all the time because he's been there and he mm-hmm. knows how to do it. So why not do it? Right. Uh, Ricky Renneria, his downfall last year in the playoffs um, was he managed scared. Mm-hmm. It was his first time and he was scared. He didn't know what he was doing. It was best of three. You had a very short leash. He only had two starting pitchers. He had any confidence in to go when he spent those two pitchers and he needed to win that game three, everything he did, showed that he was managing scared. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get you out on this one, and it'll be playoff-related. I love that we're talking playoffs. I mean, these are these fantasy uh, conversations that, you know, we as Sox fans, you know, we don't have a lot of opportunities um, to talk playoffs and our dream situations. You Realistically for you, Patrick, what would you be satisfied with uh, at, at the end of the season? Uh, is, does it have to be World Series, or would you be happy enough if the Sox just either made it to the World Series or just got to the ALCS this year? It doesn't have to be a World Series. I mean, selfishly, I want it to be a World Series like all of us do, but I think if the Sox made it to the ALCS this year, regardless of the outcome, I think that's a successful season here. Uh, in what we probably have to consider the first real year of the contention window. I think 2020 was not fluky. They did what they won. They deserved it, but it was um, it was what it was, right? It was yeah. a weird year. I think this yeah. is the true year one, and I think if they were to be able to win a five-game series against probably Houston mm-hmm. and probably on the road for the majority of the series, if it goes all five, that's a huge accomplishment in yeah. itself. Yeah, I agree. Uh, chasing that first division title uh, since 2008. It's exciting stuff. Patrick Flowers, thank you so much for letting us steal some of your time. No problem, guys. Glad to be here. 
Great stuff there from Patrick Flowers, a contributor for White Sox Daily. You can find Patrick on Twitter at Patrick K. Flowers. Uh, of course, go to WhiteSoxDaily.com for all that great stuff. And uh, they are on Twitter as well, at Daily White Sox. Um, uh, Pat, uh, as we were uh, recording, uh, Sox up as we've got an in-game update. Uh, Gavin Sheets with a three-run uh, homer. So, Do we have a uh, sounder for that? Like a, yeah. like a, gong, boop, 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 a gong or a kazoo noise or something? <laughs> um, it, we'll work on that. Uh, we'll work on that uh, in the off days here. Uh, well, we but, don't want to get a fine for, for doing any kind of play-by-play. So you, oh, you yeah. be careful Yeah, because, uh, you yeah. know, we are a top 200 baseball yep. podcast in the 100%. universe. You're, you are correct. You are correct. Uh, I really enjoyed, uh, you know, the questions, the answers. Uh, it's always wonderful talking to to Sox fans that are, you know, you know, living and dying, you know, game by game, super knowledgeable. Uh, and, and I love the answers. Uh, I, I, I like his response to the Tim Anderson, you know, he just took a deep breath and it, it's rest, uh, get that hamstring, right. Um, don't press it. Uh, but he is, you know, he is the straw man and, and yeah. it's felt. So to grind out some of these wins, you know, against Pittsburgh and maybe against Kansas city this weekend, um, you know, keep going, get these guys that have been called up, maybe some playing time, uh, sheets of course is swinging it already, but Romy Gonzalez, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Foster's back, uh, you know, get these guys, you know, just to stay sharp down this stretch. It's all about the stretch right now, man. And, well, you know. if, if we've, if we've been shown anything throughout this year, Nick, is that somehow, some way this team finds a way to get guys that you wouldn't expect to contribute to contribute. Now, whether that's Tony, whether that's the team knowing that, uh, they're going to be supported in whatever way or, or whether it's the culture that's on the team. Like I mentioned earlier, somehow the, 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 the Hamiltons of the world, like we've talked about, mm-hmm. even the Jake lamb and, you know, God rest Jake lamb soul, not with the team anymore, but um, <laughs> he's not a, dead. That was a very long way he's of just, not, you know, you could have just said DFA, but well, you I, like, know, I, I, don't yeah, know. I like, I like the path you took there. Though. Well, that you know, good. he can be blessed. I'll bless him anyway. Sure. Yeah. There so, you go. Uh, but guys have contributed. So it'll mm-hmm. be a great opportunity for those guys to come up and contribute. They're probably really hungry to do so. And when guys are looking to prove themselves, uh, they could, the great things can happen. So I'm excited to see it. And, uh, like you said, we've got some teams that we should beat anyway. It's a good time to get guys rest. I don't want to count my chickens, but no, you, you don't want to do that. And Han mentioned that in, in the trip this past weekend, you know, to, to the point of, we haven't won anything yet, mm-hmm. but there is that perspective. I think that Tony brings of, you know, uh, what this month is going to bring, what this September month can bring and where are moments, uh, maybe it's Pittsburgh and Kansas city, no disrespect to them, but let's be honest, you know, uh, we might be able to rest some guys in those series because uh, September is going to be, uh, is tough. We got a big, uh, series with Boston next weekend, you know, we're playing Oakland. There's an angel series. And of course those five with Cleveland in four days in late September, um, so yesterday's game, you know, I was at the game and, uh, Sachs won. It was kind of a lazy, sleepy game, even though there were 20,000, uh, in attendance, which is pretty good for a Tuesday night with school back in session and everything. Uh, Giolito on the Hill. Um, he just didn't look right, uh, through a lot of pitches in the first few innings. And, um, 
the little nubber, little dribbler in between home and uh, and, and the mound uh, in the fourth inning. Uh, he goes to field it, and you could just see from my perspective, a lot of fans kind of had a gasp. It looked like he just like something got locked up almost. It, yeah. it looked like he rolled an ankle, uh, and then you know he he grabbed it. Uh, it the ball could not get the guy out. Um, and cats, I think knew something already. And so did mm-hmm. the trainers. They started walking out. Um, you know, he threw a couple pitches. He assured them. I mean, he was pushing them back into the dugout, like physically waving them back. Like don't even come out. Uh, he did throw some precautionary pitches though. And they saw something that just wasn't right. Uh, and he comes out after four in an inning, uh, worth of work, three hits, two earned runs, and here's where it was a little off four walks mm-hmm. uh, to the five strikeouts. So now we find out that, uh, what is it? Uh, it's, it could be a hamstring issue. Um, he might miss a start. Uh, TA's got the hamstring issue between Giolito's hamstring, which everybody's dealing with hamstring issues uh, and Lynn's right knee inflammation Neither of those are arm issues, but are you still concerned these guys are going to be missing some starts right now? I am not concerned they're missing starts. I think for them, it could be a blessing in disguise. Mm. I I know you talk about guys, especially at the plate, getting their rhythm back. I don't necessarily know that miss, and we've seen it with Rodon as as far as he's come back so far, pretty sharp from his time off. Uh, I'm not as concerned that these veteran guys especially lynn coming back from some time off i think it'll only do them it'll do their arm good to get Mm -hmm. some rest and i think whatever is going on with the foundation on them it it needs to get right it just needs to you cannot be and we saw it from lynn too his control wasn't pinpoint the ball wasn't moving like it had you know in the zone and uh and it needs to otherwise you're going to get lit up like we talked about last episode nick so I am not as concerned. I do really feel like this is my honest to God opinion with TA and with Lynn and with Gilito. If this was the playoffs, they'd find a way to shoot it up, wrap it up, however, whatever you got to do, <laughs> get me out there. And these guys are going to play and they're going to, they're going to press through. There is no reason. And I know you're going to kill me for this. Sometimes mm. there is no reason to go balls to the wall right now on this. There is, isn't. No, I I do agree with that when it comes to pitching, because that's been our foundation. Um, And you and I were texting back and forth about the Lynn situation. And you had a good point. Like, well, does this DL or sorry, IL um, uh, stint kind of make you feel a little bit better about what we were seeing from Lynn the last few starts? He's been off. Obviously, Mm -hmm. something was bothering him. he, He admitted to getting needing to go get some treatment during that whole belt throwing situation mm-hmm. um and that makes sense because you know as a pitcher especially since it's his right knee that's his push-off leg that's where he's getting he's driving mm-hmm. the drop and drive the power is coming from that right leg and if that knee is acting up even a little bit well then you just don't feel confident about your drive you know right. potentially a lot of pitches are going to be flailing up uh, you can't follow through uh, that could affect the velocity um, and then you're going to get hit around a little bit like he has. So uh, that one, you know, makes sense. The the Giolito one, the fact the, his reaction to Katz and Larusa coming out of the dugout, he was adamant, like, get out of here. Mm-hmm. It was almost like sometimes, you know, Abreu will shake people off. Like, yep. do not even think about coming out here to look at me. I am fine. 
but you know, better be cautious. Uh, and again, you, you, you want the pitchers, you want our pitchers, man, our starting, uh, staff, you, you want them rock solid. And, and Lopez is going to come in, which we've enjoyed what we've seen from Lopez. He's going to come in and take uh, Lynn's spot. Pat. Yeah, he'll do that. And I'm sure that, you know, maybe we'll get to see uh Kopech stretch, stretched out a little bit more like we were accustomed to early on in the season. I don't know if that'll be a, an option or not uh, to like a spot start two, three innings uh, for, for a Kopech. We'll see. There's options out there for Tony to, Again, we've talked a lot about that. I've said this word navigate through a lot this year, but navigate through these last, you know, 30 games and overall, you know, the next two weeks here with some guys out. Yeah, Kopech got in uh, yesterday, a nice clean inning. I mean, the bullpen uh, did wonders. Tapera came in with not realizing that he was going to have to come in, uh, pitched really well. Uh, Kopech came in. Kimbrell, as we talked about, had that clean ninth, and, and Hendricks had uh, his 30th save. Uh, so they gave up nothing. I mean, that that's, again, the type of bullpen that we were hoping for. And I know bullpens are going to struggle throughout a long year. This is a grind, man. We're, we're in that, we're in that tough spot right now where, uh, legs are barking, you know, backs are barking. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's some tired dudes out there and, you know, having these two days off this week, getting some built in days off are going to help, but that was a good sign with Giolito kind of going down. Not, not that was a good sign, but our bullpen coming in and stepping up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was probably a good opportunity for those guys to get right against, you know, the, the, and again, I don't want to disparage the pirates. They could come into and finish this game off and God knows what could happen, but um, it's a good opportunity for those guys to get right and feel good about themselves and have some good feelings. And, uh, and you could hopefully get more of the same as we play Kansas city. So, you know, a lot of baseball left to be played, Nick. And again, I, I know, uh, you know, we want some momentum and guys feeling good. And I think the most important guys to be feeling good and in a groove and feeling good about the spots and the roles they are going to play is how this bullpen is going to shake out because, I think we kind of have figured out that the the lineup from day to day is going to be different. You know, Tony's going to mix and match and do mm-hmm. things and I'm okay with it because it's worked. And I don't think people have been so like, what's the lineup today? Let's, let's kill each other over it because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's not really much to, to kill each other, but I would like to see this bullpen round into shape and get guys into their comfort levels in terms of this is my role. This is what I should expect from a day in and day out basis. I think that's important. I really do. Um, I, I think there's something about knowing your role, uh, getting into a, a rhythm, um, because there's some prep work involved. Like if you know a little bit ahead of time, uh, like where you could be slotted in, where to anticipate coming in. I mean, there's a whole routine that goes into it. I mean, Hendrix mm-hmm. has talked about this. Most relievers, middle relief setup guys have discussed, you know, when do I like to start throwing? When do I head down to the bullpen? You know, how do, how do I pace my pitches? All that kind of stuff. Uh, get, get yourself in a lather, so to speak, to go in. Um, a guy that did not want to see uh, August end, and I hope, I hope he can carry the spirit of August with him. Uh, throughout uh, September and beyond uh, is Jose Abreu. I mean, he was two for four last night mm-hmm. with a with a home run. And go figure, last day of August, he hits a home run. He's well over 100 RBIs now. Um, if you were doubting Abreu, we've talked about this in previous episodes, and we all ride the roller coaster sometimes of Abreu. But folks that have been following his career closely, this is his eighth year with the Sox. 
you know that he's got these moments where he's got some lulls, but he's still he's still productive. You yeah. know, it's it, okay. And then and then he just lights on fire eventually. And this month of August has been one of his best months of August in his career, buddy. Yeah, it's fun to watch him play the way he can play and remind you of how just one hell of a ball player that he is. And uh, I joined a, a pretty, you know, elite group in terms of White Sox history with, you know, six seasons now with 100 plus RBIs, uh, tying Paul Canerco and four behind, four seasons behind the great Frank Thomas. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you really, sh- we really should be, this is the time that we as Sox fans really need to just take a step back and really appreciate the career this guy has. Somebody tweeted the other day, uh, somebody tweeted a picture of the scoreboard from 2017 and the, the lineup oh, that we boy. had. Those are always the fun. Thing. Yeah. It, and it was Eaton and somebody and then a Brayu. And then you just saw the collection of like poo that was all around him, the fecal matter that was all around oh, Jose Abreu. And he still, you know, shined yeah. even through those, those times. So you got to really appreciate what the man's done and, and feel great for him that last year with the MVP and the, you know, very brief playoff playoff experience. And then this year with this team and still leading it, still being basically the captain of the team, you got to appreciate what this guy's done over his career. I I don't know what's, no one knows what's going to happen after the end of this season. And I don't even really want to look too far uh, beyond to start talking about, you know, the window of this rebuild, but uh, this season alone, um, you know, I, you and I, and, and a lot of folks that are, are listening regularly to this podcast and consuming as much White Sox baseball as possible are really in it moment by moment. And there's not a lot of reflection, but I am looking forward to, to going, you know, maybe in November at some point, hopefully when everything's said and done and just, just, you know, thinking back and reminiscing and, and replaying some of this, this long season, so much has happened, so many different subplots. And that that thread of Abreu, you mm-hmm. know, um, over this year, last year, previous years, uh, because that that alone, he, he gets lost sometimes in all of this, in the in the Aloy Roberts stuff, and the TA and Larusa. Uh, Abreu is that constant man. He he weathers those storms. He he puts up the numbers. So yeah, um, I, I I really do think uh, you know. One day down the road, he gets that poly treatment and his numbers retired, and there's a statue there while he is still in a uniform. Well, there's no doubt in my mind because you know what he did in terms of uh, wanting to stay here and being loyal and basically, you know, sign me for whatever you want to sign me for. And you know, Jerry Reinsdorf being the loyal person that he is, when someone shows him loyalty, he will love you to the day you die. So I, I have no doubt in my mind that there'll be something like that for Jose Abreu. Yeah. Uh, two guys uh, recently uh, that have been uh, just on fire. Uh, Grandal, man, uh, you know, a couple walks and a home run. He just continues to be a force. And, and then Luis Robert. Let, let me give you some uh, recent numbers from Luis, Luis Robert since he got uh, brought up uh, August 9th. Uh, uh, this is, these are his slash numbers, 382, 425, and 676 slugging with five doubles, five home runs, 13 RBIs, and 16 runs scored in 16 games. And he made one hell of a catch last night. 
one of those catches where with his injuries and his situation, you hold your breath, <laughs> but you know, he does it so gracefully, you know, yep. it's almost like he, he prepares himself for an easy fall. Yeah. Uh, it, it just looked awesome. And that's one of the, you can just replay over and over. So thoughts on Robert, Pat. Well, it, it, what it, what it makes me sad about Nick is that we didn't get to see it all year. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so that is what it is. It, it's, it's sad that you weren't, you were, you, I feel a little robbed of the opportunity to see what this guy can really do over, you know, probably 145 games, you know, given that he, he would get rest or whatever it would be. Um, so it, again, it gets you excited for, you know, what's to come in this guy's career and his future and where his ceiling is at, because he, honestly, I don't think he's reached his ceiling yet. No, he still close. probably hasn't seen as many of the American league pitchers as he'll, he'll see consistently year in and year out just because of the time he's missed and last year with the short season. So, I mean, it's going to be amazing when, when he gets a full year under his belt and, you know, what he's done since he's since he came back is just almost amazing that he's just able to pick it up and let's go. And be, he's actually playing better than he did before he went on, on the on the IL stint. Yeah. Uh, I And I wonder, you know, we could all just kind of analyze this and, and make guesses. Um, but, you know, with he, how he saw the Sox play and he came back to a team that uh, was in first place, comfortably mm -hmm. in first place. Uh, he didn't have to kind of cinch it up and hunker down and say, all right, we got to dig out of a hole here. It's on me. It's on Aloy, this, that, and the other. I felt like he could kind of just be himself. He could ease in, um, you know, to, to how he wanted to play without the pressure. Of course, there's a lot of self-pressure and he mm -hmm. wants to make sure he's contributing. Uh, but the fact that the sacks were up, I think that helped guys like Aloy and, and Robert. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and, uh, he, th those guys were probably just chomping at the bit to be part of the, you know, be a part of the party. Right. Mm -hmm. oh, right. Yeah. So, um, you know, that probably helped their mental psyche to come back and, and be in the situation that they found themselves in. So, you know, between him and you mentioned Rondell, I mean, uh, again, what could his season been like with a healthy knee to start the season? Mm -hmm. So he's got his power stroke back. He's actually, you know, hitting the ball, not just for power, but it, you know, he's getting on base with walks still, and yeah. he's still hitting, and he's hitting base hits, which he had a single which, today. That yeah, was, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. a little balloon shot. I saw that. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. So, you know, he's been just a, a sight for sore eyes. And, and uh, I would say that is what a power hitting catcher looks like. The gentleman that is not on the team right now and in in triple A, you are not a power hitting catcher. The power hitting catcher is this. This is the guy. This is what yeah. it looks like to hit the ball for power. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he Collins isn't there yet, not even close. Um, you know, I, I saw he he had he displayed some power in triple A recently. Um Maybe he needs some of that. Maybe he needs to get the stroke right down there. Um, I hope he does know. so we can yeah. move him eventually. Yeah. Well, right? I hope he shines. Yeah, I mean, a lefty, a power lefty catcher. You can boy. sell that. Yeah. You can sell um, that, my man. I'm, yeah. I'm, I don't mean to yeah. be crass or mean, no. but. 
No. Uh, as, as we stand right now, uh, looking in the in the game here, uh, Sacks are up 4-1 in this game two of the uh, Pittsburgh series. Um, they've got a, yeah, <laughs> they've got a, was that the current affair? <laughs> uh, they used to, remember they used to, they oh, the yeah. games, you know, they'd score on it. Yeah. Sacks have a day off on Thursday and then they start a Kansas City series in Kansas City, which is always nightmarish, Pat. Anytime we go down to Kansas City, you never know what's going to happen. So, you know, hey, it's just stay healthy. And that's weird to say because we haven't been staying healthy, but some of it I think is precautionary. You know, we're, we're down the home stretch here. Um, you know, just hold on, uh, try to play some good baseball, some 500 baseball, if not better. Um, you know, 77 and 56, 10 games up. I'll take it right now. Yeah, seven, you mentioned that 77 and 56, Nick. Uh, I was just looking at somebody had tweeted out the. Remember we talked Pakoda at some point uh, oh, early yeah, on in the year. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. You remember what the projection was on our wins this year? Gosh, I, they Take probably said. You know what? Knowing that was probably low. They probably gave us like eighty-eight wins, maybe. The or, eighty-three and seventy-nine was our wow. projected wins. Wow. The Indians was eighty-six and seventy-six, and the Twins were ninety-one and seventy-one. So (laughs) that just goes to show you that when those things come out, it's for people that chatter and get all upset, but nothing matters until, (laughs) until they, you know, lace them up. Those are always fun to save and go back. I've got some old papers laying around um, because I'm a hoarder and I'm, I'm old, um, but I've got, I'll bring those out later of just like what all the pundits nationally were saying Mm -hmm. about how the divisions were in a, a lineup and everything. Those are fun to look at. All right. Now, always a pleasure uh, talking White Sox with you, my friend. Yes. Uh, I can't wait to do the next one. I'm yeah, excited. We'll have, to, uh, we'll have to talk about that. It'll be hopefully. I hope I don't pull my hamstring, you know, in between. Well, that. It's, it's going around. Yeah, it's going around. Uh, I, I don't do anything to, to require a, a hamstring pull or that would, you know, but we'll see. Yeah. Of all the hamstring injuries, too, I'm surprised La Russa didn't pull one when he was going out defending uh, Abreu that one day. You know, like everybody's pulling hamstrings, yet he was doing that La Russa oh, shuffle. Oh, he's he loose. Was just, he's, he's loose, loose as, a as a goose. Yeah, there's nothing. <laughs> there's there's nothing to pull muscle-wise there. Nick. <laughs> uh, okay. Huge thank you to Patrick Flowers from White Sox Daily. Uh, find their stuff, great stuff that they put out. They've got a podcast as well. They've got a, a newsletter to subscribe to. It's coming out daily. Uh, awesome stuff over there. They're at whitesocksdaily.com. Find them on Twitter at Daily White Sox. Um, uh, we are Good Guys Talk Back. You can find this podcast everywhere you find your podcasts. We're on the shycitysports.com site as well. Find some content there. And we've got our own Twitter page, at Good Guys TV, and our Facebook fan page. Uh, for Pat Hester, I am Nick Morowski. Until next time, go Sox.